Hi, I'm Christina Nguyen. I'm a member of the product science and technology team here at Neolife, and I've been with the company for a couple years now, and it's been a, quite a learning experience. And so I'm really excited to be here today with the Scientific Advisory Board Director, John Miller, to talk about um, something very interesting. So April 22nd is Earth Day, a day to celebrate and support the environment. But a lot of people don't think about the impact that everyday choices they make have on the environment, such as cleaning products. Well, here at Neolife, we have the Golden Home Care product line, which is amazing, and John and I are here to tell you a bit about them today. Yeah. Hi, Christine. It's great to be here, as always. I always enjoy uh, sharing the Neolife difference, if you will, because there's always a difference. You know, we're always up to something that's a little unique, and that's a good thing because you know, everyday run-of-the-mill stuff often doesn't get the job done the way it needs to get done. And hi to all the listeners out there. I know some of you know me, and uh, that's great. I wish you were all here. We could uh, say hi and catch up a little bit. But others probably are new, so I'll let you know that uh, I'm the director of the Scientific Advisory Board. I've been with the company, well, 50 years or so now. I think this is my 51st year, to be exact. And along the way, I've uh, done virtually every job in the company. I started out on the manufacturing and production side. Actually, I was the graveyard janitor while I was going to school studying biochemistry and things like that, and ended up staying with the company all of this time, and it's been a, a wonderful ride. So uh, I want to share with you some things about our golden home care product line. I think they're important for you to realize the home care products are sort of maybe not as romantic and exciting as some product lines, but they can be meaningful to everybody. And the way we do home care products is a little bit different. So I'm really looking forward to uh, sharing this with you, Christina, and with the audience. Thanks. I'm sure we're all eager to learn about it. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, home care products are, um, have a long history. Um, you know, the, the company's been up to this idea of environmentally friendly home care products for a lot longer than one might think. Matter of fact, uh, the company first started introducing uh, earth-friendly biodegradable home care products way back in the 1960s when the environmental movement first uh, came to being awake. Uh, people began to realize that things that we were putting in the environment were becoming a problem. And it was that point of origin um, that started the company literally as a pioneer in this idea of environmentally friendly products and uh, brought us all the way to where we are today. Um, I know this was true because I was there along the, along the line and back in the 1960s when uh, Rachel Carson and others were telling us about the problem and we learned that here in the United States that Lake Erie was dead, meaning that it had become so polluted that the oxygen had been robbed from the water and there was such a big algae bloom that the local species of fish and other aquatic life were, were jeopardized to the point where uh, they couldn't sustain the life that they would normally sustain. So there were big things going on here in the U.S. and it was a worldwide problem, quite to be honest with you. In fact, the entire industrial world was suffering from the same sort of challenge. We had industrialized the technologies of cleaning and caring for, you know, your home and your clothing and so on and so forth, but we hadn't really considered the impact of the effluent of those things, and many of those products were really good cleaners, and they were going to be really good cleaners for the next five years. So they didn't degrade in the environment, and big places, like around Lake Erie in this case, all of these 
big cities that were around there were just pumping their waste from the city right into the lake, and that was the that was the problem. So uh, um, the company started at that point to do something about it, and we've been up to that ever since. Well, that's great because the environment is something that's important and personal to me too. When I was in high school in San Jose, California, I was part of a environmental service learning program where we high school students designed curriculum about, you know, the uh, environment and things like water monitoring and uh, rain sheds and stuff. And we taught that curriculum to elementary school students while standing on the banks of the Guadalupe River. So it was great to learn, you know, firsthand about the environment. And unfortunately, um, pollution and all that jazz is still a problem today. So what did the company do to help address these problems, John? Well, you know, at Neolife, we've always had a rather logical and pragmatic approach to dealing with challenges. We don't look for sort of the quick and dirty solution, if you'll pardon the pun. What we look for is the more lasting um, solution that is based in evidence that you can build a program around. So let me take you through a little bit of the idea of, of how we approach the problem. First of all, way back in the 1960s, we applied that same practical rationale. The first thing we did is we sought out and listened to some of the best scientists in the world that were working on the problem. I mean, if you don't understand the problem, you can't possibly come up with a solution. So our goal was to understand the problem and what was going on. And the problem was simply that what happens to these chemicals after they are released to the environment was never really investigated. No one seemed to care. And it's only when they became so such a monumental amount of waste, water, or effluent that it started to impact the environment that people began thinking about it. So we were talking to these people who were the movers and shakers in the scientific arena at that time. From learning from them, we supported the development of and formulated the idea of biodegradable cleaners, things that didn't stay in the environment for long periods of time, but actually broke down readily from the natural things that are present in the environment, the microbes, and broke down into those sort of benign substances that they started out as or were or completely used up. So working on that idea, again, pioneering these ideas, because they weren't really available, they were starting to be available, and we were working with manufacturers and suppliers to find the best of those and put them to use. So we started there. But on top of that, typical of us, rather than just assuming that this was all good now because we talked to these people and we were doing this thing, we went about confirming that. And as usual, we confirmed things with leading edge scientific techniques. At the time, the way, one of the ways that you check biodegradability was um, this thing called the activated sludge method. It's complicated, but to simplify it, basically you take a material, a sludge, <clears throat> that is activated with the typical organisms that you would find in, in the environment that would degrade these things. And then you put a, a known amount of your compound into that, and then you track it over time. And if it was degradable, you would find after a period of hours or days that it would no longer be detectable in the sludge or would be 95% gone and there'd only be a 5% remaining. So that was one of the first ways, was to adapt and understand ways that the environment would deal with these things naturally. We went from there to working on what's called the river die away method, which was literally creating a big artificial river in these buildings, might be 30, 40, 50 feet long and 20, 30, 40 feet wide and make a loop. And there were things in there that caused the water to move like it would in a river. So you'd have river rock and aquatic life and so on and so forth. And then at a given point in time, you would 
put in a given material into that water and you could measure it in the water and then as it degraded over time you would see it go away go away go away so that was more sophisticated than activated sludge but still um, uh, a representation of what goes on in the environment other things that we started doing is we started looking at the overall impact of home care products also cleaners and the like on the environment it wasn't just what we were putting into the environment but it was the process by which it was getting done. One of the things that we found right away is that for the most part, the majority, or certainly the vast majority, if put it in accurate terms, of household cleaning products were mostly water. You know, there was all of this water that was being sold. So you'd have one or 2% active ingredient and 98% water, or maybe three or 4% active ingredient and 96% water. But the, the reality was it was mostly water. So there's a couple of things wrong with that idea. First of all, um, water's something everybody's got at their tap, and by selling them water at that cost, it was really costly to the consumer. But secondly, moving that water from the point where the product was made to the point where the product was going to be consumed was rather costly in terms of the energy expenditure, right? You had to put it on a train and then take it to a warehouse and put it into a truck and then take it to a distribution center and put it in another truck and take it to the supermarket shelf. And all of that stuff had a, had a big energy demand in shipping that water around. So if you, our thought was, wow, if we can reduce the amount of water that's shipping by say half or three quarters, we could in theory reduce the amount of energy that was expended in getting the water to the consumer. And after all, everybody's got water in their tap, so it works out fine. So those sorts of things were in our thinking. So we wanted to find ways to minimize the amount of water. Um, another thing we noticed is that a lot of these products were sort of use it and toss it, use it and toss it. In other words, you would use a spray bottle full of some cleaner and then you'd toss the sprayer in the bottle and everything away and you'd go buy another one. The profit model there for the typical detergent manufacturers is pretty obvious. They want you to use their product up quickly and buy another one as quickly as they can. But um, reality is that that's not an environmentally friendly thing. Okay, uh, So we began to look at that challenge, too, and we wanted to develop reusable containers. So we want to develop products that minimize the amount of water and products that minimize the amount of packaging. Um, that was involved, sort of this idea of low dose, low burden, the lower the dose of things that you introduce to the waste stream, the lower the burden you put on the waste stream. So that's true of products and it's true of packaging as well. So we began with this idea of developing reusable dispensers. Uh, from there, we went to the next obvious things that they're not going to be reusable. Let's make what's left of that recyclable. So we jumped into recyclable plastic bottles, high-density polyethylene and things like that, and uh, recyclable corrugated cardboard boxes, and that sort of thing, again, to make the, what is making it to the waste stream have the minimum amount of negative impact. And what this did is it all worked to lower the carbon footprint. Now, at the time we were doing it, lowering your carbon footprint was not something that we would typically use as a terminology. Carbon footprints, or the idea of that, is a relatively new thing compared to the almost 60 years the company's been involved in this sort of thing. But essentially, that's what it did. It lowered the carbon footprint, which is a really, really important thing. So though we weren't speaking of it in that sort of sense, that's exactly what we were doing at that point in time. Wow, that's all very impressive. Clearly, a lot of science and thought went into developing this whole line. And it's great that the company was focused on making things that were biodegradable and earth-friendly before it became uh, trendy, so to say. But it's also um, 
important that the, these products emphasize effectiveness and cost friendliness in addition to environmental friendliness. True. Yeah. And so um, what are we doing today, John? Well, actually, Christina, the same forces are at play here. We haven't, we haven't really changed our philosophy. Certainly technology has improved. So now rather than looking at what happens in biodegradation in just one step, we actually sometimes things will take several steps to degrade, and we can actually monitor those things along each step of the way. We know better about the, the idea of recycling. The technologies we use and the packaging we use is more readily re recyclable. So um, we're really at the forefront. One way of looking at this is um, the Golden Home Care line uh, meets or exceeds all of the regulatory, environmental regulatory requirements of every major regulatory authority in the world, meaning that when it comes to being environmentally friendly and, and environmentally conscious, um, all of our products and the packaging they contain um, meet those criteria. Uh, today we use more renewable resources than ever before. Um, you know, you can actually grow certain crops and produce certain compounds, whether you're producing a, a plant-based soap or a coconut-based uh, surfactant or emulsifier or whatever. We lean much more heavily on those uh, to keep our uh, renewable resource utilization as high as possible while keeping our non-renewables as low as possible. And um, we use a lot of plant-derived compounds today that simply weren't available back then. This was part of our renewable resource program. And all of these things tend to reflect, um, all of these principles tend to reflect what's become the eco-friendly mantra, this idea of reduce, renew, recycle, reduce, renew, recycle. Reduce what you're putting in, renew whenever you can, and recycle the affluent as much as possible. For us, looking back to even before those ideas came up, we always looked at our products from the perspective of low dose, low burden, meaning the lowest, the least, the lowest amount you can use will result in the lowest burden to the environment. We tend to be conservative in our use instructions. We don't want people to overuse them. We want people to reuse our packaging rather than use it and toss it, use it and toss it. And so nothing really much has changed. The technology has just gotten better, and through that, you know, we're able to sell these products all over the world, so we've stayed at the forefront of compliance with uh, environmental friendliness and the regulations that exist for that. Well, thanks for all that background, John. It's so important to keep, you know, all those points in mind, especially as, you know, the population continues to grow. So, uh, you know, the amount of waste being generated only increases. But I'm sure now the listeners want to know more the nitty-gritty about each product. So uh, why don't we start with Super 10, and can you tell us a bit about that wonderful product, John? Sure. I love talking about these products. Um, Super 10 is, is an amazing multipurpose cleaner. First of all, if you understand cleaning, you know that there's really only three ways that you can get things done. Actually, there's a fourth way called elbow grease. But putting that aside, uh, there's only three ways that you can do it with the chemistry of a cleaning product. And those three ways are um, pretty straightforward when you think about them. They, they come from three different ingredients. There are soaps, solvents, and surfactants. Okay, Soaps, you know, fatty acid soaps and things like that, tend to be able to take and lift off things that are stuck to your skin or to your cleaning or to your clothing or whatever. They tend to lift it off, wet the water, lift it off, and bring it into solution. Solvents, on the other hand, are dispersing agents. If you think of a, a spot of motor oil on your clothes or on your driveway or whatever, oil by, by necessity is water resistant, so it doesn't really lend itself to being 
cleaned up with water. Um, solvents have the ability to take that same sort of water-resistant idea of oil and actually take advantage of it and penetrate through that chemistry and actually break that oil up, break it down into little tiny, tiny bits that the product becomes other ingredients make more readily able to capture. And that's where the surfactants come in. Surfactants are literally surface-active agents that get between a soil and the surface. If you think of, for example, egg or pancake syrup that's stuck on your Sunday morning breakfast dishes because everybody went to, you know, watch the football game or whatever, and they got a little dried on. Um, surfactants have the ability to get between that dried on egg or whatever it might be that you're trying to remove and the surface underneath. They're surface active. They get in there and break that down and release it. So that combination of those three things, soap, solvents, and surfactants, are exactly what makes Super 10 um, so great. All of these three cleaning elements are present there. We like to call it um, three-way cleaning action. For soaps we make, we actually make a plant-derived fatty acid soap. We actually take um, plant-derived fatty acids and we react them with uh, the sort of alkaline compounds that make soap. So we start by doing that. Uh, next, we add a powerful organic solvent. This organic solvent um, is powerful, but because it's organic, it degrades really quickly when it's not being used. It has the ability to penetrate and break down grease and grime and things like that, as I talked about uh, solvents doing. And finally, we in include a very eco-friendly surfactant that's based on uh, coconut oil uh, chemistry. And between those two, they work really well. Um, as I said, this combination of three provides a unique cleaning action. But the other benefits it gives you is it gives in industrial cleaning power, industrial cleaning strength, that safety is around the house. It's safe for you, it's safe for your kids, it's safe for your pets, it's safe for any surface upon which it's safe to use water. So a really safe cleaner. It's highly concentrated. We don't ship you a lot of water. We do that on purpose. Again, that's lowering our carbon footprint. So one bottle has a lot of use applications. You can dilute it three to one for the heaviest, greasiest jobs you'll find, um, whatever it is in your garage or your house or your barbecue or whatever. Uh, you can dilute it 10 to one or even 20 to one for general household cleaning, wiping down your refrigerator or whatever you do in your spring cleaning. I've been going around cleaning all of the uh, window sills and stuff like that with Super 10 at 20 to one. It works really well. And you can do, you know, 20 to one to 50 to one for light cleaning, I have some uh, appliances in my kitchen I like to keep real clean, so I take a little 50 to 1 Super 10, spray it on there with a with a paper towel, and voila, the stuff is clean and shiny. It's not like my refrigerator gets filthy or anything on the outside, but it does get a sort of a film on it from cooking. Things get in the air from cooking that played out on those surfaces, and I like to keep them off. It's just the way I am. I love how the product is so versatile. Actually, my first experience with Super 10 was uh, during my first month working at Neolite. I had spilled something tomato-based on my shirt at lunch, and one of my coworkers, Clarissa, happened to have some of the Super 10 already diluted in a spray bottle. And so I sprayed some on my shirt, and I rinsed it out at the sink. And so I was walking around with a wet spot on my shirt for a while. But um, it didn't leave a stain at all, and you know, it only needed a tiny bit to be effective. That's cool. That's that's part of this combination of things putting in there. There wasn't really much that was going to get on your shirt that it wasn't going to have it uh, play a role in getting out. I used this stuff all over the place. Uh, for a lot of years, I, I wrote a Harley-Davidson, and, you know, Harley-Davidson's are big and chrome and loud and noisy, beautiful machinery. 
And uh, keeping it spotlessly clean was one of the things I like to do. Even though we would go out on rather long road rides, a uh, thousand miles or so would be would be nothing, and bring it home and it would have road grime and all sorts of stuff on it. And I just put it up on a stand and spray it down with Super Tan, usually about, you know, maybe 10 to 1. Let it soak for a little while, hose it off, blow it off with a leaf blower, which is a pretty cool way to dry your Harley-Davidson, and then wipe it down and it would be shiny new. So, And it had many thousands of miles on it and it was spotless. And the reason for that is uh, Super Tan kept all of that stuff going. Uh, just uh, over the weekend here, I started the idea of spring is coming here in California. It's, we had a little bit of warm weather. It's raining again now. but um, So I decided it's time to clean up the barbecue. So I went out and took the cover off it and looked at it. And I had cleaned it up sort of at the end of the last barbecue season, but it was not clean, clean. So I decided to do something about that. So I got out my trusty bottle of Super 10 and went out there and sprayed it down. I used a three-to-one solution because the part I was cleaning was a really messy part. And uh, just let it penetrate for a while and then took my garden hose to it and voila, uh, most of that stuff came off. A little bit of spot cleaning and my barbecue is good to go for the season. And uh, next challenge is uh, I like to power wash my house every now and then, about once a year, especially in the spring, because somehow or another stuff gets on the walls. I'm not sure how it gets on the walls, but it gets on the walls and in the eaves and stuff like that. So I like to power wash. So I put like a, a half an ounce of Super Tan in five gallons of the cleaning solution that goes through my pressure washer, and it works wonderful. There isn't anything that it won't take off. But it's dilute enough and safe enough that it won't impact the paint on the house. And when it goes down into the soil of the garden around the house, it's natural and going to degrade and doesn't harm any of the plants either. Yeah, I've heard so many wonderful testimonies about Super 10 like that. And it's really easy to show just how effective it is. There's a demo that a lot of distributors do that's so effective. Um, they take some crayon and rub it on a swath of carpet and just some diluted Super 10 in a spray bottle. They spray a little bit on, dab at it with a towel, and it just comes right off. Yeah, it's pretty cool. There's no doubt about it. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing, too. When The more you use it, the more you find the, the wow factor in the product. Yeah, so Super 10 is our industrial strength option, but we do have um, LDC, which is a milder household cleaner that's also very versatile, and you can use it to, you know, wash dishes, clean jewelry, and clean your bathroom. And can you tell us a bit about what makes this product special, John? Sure. LDC is another um, unique golden home care formulation. Uh, it's not formulated the way most products like this are formulated. We take a a, a broader approach than than a lot of them out there. Uh, first of all, we we attain a really powerful yet gentle cleaning product by using four separate cleaning ingredients all combined together. Two of those are powerful yet mild surfactants. Remember what I mentioned about surfactants earlier? They're surface active agents that actually lift things off. So that uh, that idea of the something being stuck to your dishes or whatever it might be, something on your counter or your pots and pans or whatever, um, those sorts of things tend to get in there and work work on that stuff that's going to be removed, the soil, and get between that and the surface to lift it off into the water. And to that, we add two cosmetic-grade emulsifiers, both derived from, from coconuts. Now, I say cosmetic-grade, not because there aren't industrial grades, there are, but 
because of the intimacy this product has often with our skin and so on and so forth, we opted to use the cosmetic grade uh, material. Um, as I said, these are both derived from coconut, uh, coconut oil. Uh, as emulsifiers, their role is to take the stuff that the surfactants lifted off, the oils and so on and so forth, and literally hold them in solution. Um, LDC is really powerful emulsifying properties. If you want to do a demo sometime, you can take a little bit of corn oil, a clear glass of water, put a little corn oil on top, let it sit there. You'll see that the oil and water are incompatible. Even if you shake it up, the oil will separate from the water. If you take um, just a couple of drops of dilute LDC and put it in there and give it a little stir, you'll find that all that oil will go into solution. The water will get cloudy. That's because the oil is broken down into little particles and dispersed throughout the water. Um, that's the way the product actually works, and that's good because if you then pour the water down the drain, guess what? What was ever was in there, the oil or whatever went down the drain with it. So a really simple way to do that. This combination of four powerful cleaning agents uh, penetrates, get between the soils and the surface, disperses oils and grease and food residue, and emulsifies them all in the water to carry them away. On top of that, it makes for a free rinsing formula. The nature of these um, ingredients separate very easily from the surface that they're on, meaning that they're free rinsing. So it's, it doesn't leave any residues on what you're cleaning. It's easy on your hands and delicate fabrics as well. When you rinse out your delicate fabrics, the, the uh, cleaning product doesn't stay on the fabric. It actually uh, leaves because it's highly water soluble. It's safe for the whole family, safe for your kids, safe for you, safe for your dog, safe for everybody. So um, really powerful uh, sort of cleaning product to have around. I love using the stuff. I have it at home, use it on dishes, and have some out in the garage that I use to clean my hands after I've been messing with the lawnmower or whatever gets me greasy. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a really powerful product. And I think it's another one of these multiple-use products. If you look at the comprehensive guide we have, the usage instructions we have on this product, or talk to your uh, other distributors out there, you'll find that there are so many uses for this. It's really wonderful. Yeah, this is a milder uh, version cleaner, but it's also very effective. And, you know, I like it because it does remove the oil. And, like, if you're cleaning a dirty, oily pan, once you clean it and pour it out, all the oil pours out with the water. It doesn't, you know, stick back onto the side of the pan and then you have to go and rinse it again. Yeah. One thing I'd like to point out about this again, it's like Super 10. This is highly concentrated stuff. So, you don't use it right out of the bottle. I mean, you can if you want, but you're just wasting a lot of cleaning power. Best to dilute it, okay, because diluting it actually opens up the cleaning power that's inside there. So when you dilute it three to one or five to one or for whatever task you find you're going to do, um, do that. And, and reuse the dispensers that it comes with. Reuse the things over and over. That combination is, makes it uh, another big contributor to environmental friendliness. Yeah, it's a great product. Okay, but now I want to move on to um, our last soap, uh, Green. It's a great product. I use it pretty much every day because it's in soap dispensers throughout the office, and, you know, people in the office use it to, uh, you know, wash off their fruits or veggies before lunch. And uh, can you, I want to learn a bit more about this product, John. Okay. Well, you know, um, gosh, Green is one of those uh, wonderful products. First of all, Green is a personal care cleaner, okay? and emphasis on the personal side of that. Um, because of that, because we know it's going to be used personally for all sorts of personal needs, 
uh, we formulate with ingredients that, are, ingredients that are more likely to be found in sort of expensive body care formulas than they are in this sort of multi-purpose personal care product. We use three coconut-derived mild cleansers. Again, these are renewable resource ingredients, right? These coconuts, you grow more coconuts, they're, they're, you know, they're reasonably easy to do. I was going to say they're not hard to do, but if you don't have coconut trees, it's hard to do. But for those people who have coconut trees, that it, all of this stuff is renewable, and that, that makes it more environmentally friendly. And we use three of them. Um, the combination of these three, they are mild emollient-type cleaners. They're, they're surfactants in the fence that they tend to get between things that are on your skin and lift it off. They are... Uh, Emulsifiers in the sense that once it's lifted off your skin or your whatever you're going to use it on, it tends to carry things away, and they're they're very eco-friendly. Uh, to that, we also add two natural proteins. Uh, one of those is called Kelpro. It's an exclusive protein or kelp-derived protein ingredient that that we use in this formula. Again, proteins are are substantive to your skin, which means that when you use them, they tend to get on your skin and protect your skin. So not only in using um, green do you have this sort of cleaning property, but you've got almost a skin conditioning property that comes along with it. Uh, we set this pH at neutral. You know, Super 10 has a relatively alkaline pH, meaning it's up around between 9 and 10 because alkalinity plays a really important role in sort of strong cleaning. We don't want it to get so alkaline that it becomes harmful to people, but you want it alkaline enough that it does the job. And right there in that 9 to 10 range is where it needs to be. So we set it there. Um, LDC has a pH that is closer to uh, the natural pH of skin, but it too is marginally alkaline, meaning it's got a pH in the 7 to 8 range because, again, alkalinity plays a little role in, in what it does. And finally, green is set to a neutral pH. It's between 6.5 and 7.5. And the reason we do that is, again, because it's being used personally, we don't want to disrupt the natural acid mantle of your skin by altering the pH. And repeated applications of products that aren't pH sensitive to your skin can cause skin dryness and irritation. So when we put all those things together, we end up with a with a great product. As Christina pointed out, you can use it as a cleaner. You can dilute it down again. We have dilution ideas, or you do, or you can use it straight out of the straight out of the bottle if you want. Um, I know out in the sales field, people find a lot of things to use it for. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what those are. You can talk to people, but I know that people use it on their skin. They bathe with it. They shave with it, and all those sorts of things. And all of that is uh, is certainly well within the product's capabilities. Yeah, it's a great product, and I use it, uh, you know, on my hands, you know, uh, many times a day. And it doesn't dry them out the way a lot of soaps, you know, you find in hotels or public bathrooms do. And another thing I really like about this product is that the scent is, you know, so mild it doesn't leave a residual scent on your hands, which, you know, can be unpleasant if you're washing your hands before eating yeah. or something like that. Gotcha. All right. So now we have one more product to talk about in this golden home care call, and it's something that you use to wash your clothes, and that is G1. So what is G1, John? Well, first of all, did you ever notice the spelling? G-O-N-E, gone. And that's really what the plan is for getting soil off your, off your clothes. Pardon the fun here, folks, but I think we should have as much fun as we can whenever we can, and this is a way to have fun. So G1 um, is a really important product. The, the challenge with laundry is 
the, the balance, getting the balance right on the ingredients that are there. Um, for us, one of the one of the big challenges that confronted the industry early on with laundry detergents was their overuse. Okay, they recommended that you use a lot more than you really need to use. So that not only amplified contributed to the problem of these things weren't biodegradable, but it also increased the size of the problem. So getting that balance between having enough of the right ingredients in the right place at the right time to get the cleaning done while minimizing the amount of adverse impact, the amount of waste that you're contributing to the environment, our low-dose, low-burden philosophy, is a really critical problem. And we spend a lot of time dealing with that, trying to figure out. So. G1 represents a perfect balance of performance and environmental friendliness in that regard. To do that, we use a blend of biodegradable non-ionic surfactants and a small amount of phosphate. So non-ionic surfactants, again, surfactants are surface active agents, and non-ionic tells you about the ionic charge, and non-ionic surfactants work really well because they have the opposite ionic charge of most of the things you're going to try to take off of clothing or surfaces. Okay. So it's really an interesting bit of chemistry in there relating to the, the ionic charge. Okay. I'd get into the radicals and stuff like that, but it's not really important. Like I said, to that, we also put in a small amount of phosphate. Now, phosphates are important. Phosphates bind hard water ions and actually amplify the cleaning power of the other ingredients that are there. They do that by deactivating hard water ions. They actually capture them and hold them. Uh, in abeyance while the rest of the product goes about cleaning the job. Hard water is the biggest single challenge that a cleaning product will confront. The harder the water, the harder it is to get things clean. So we we address that. We know that for the most part, water um, in many places is pretty soft and works pretty well, but we want to make sure that we address that problem in the places where hard water is a reality, and certainly that's the case, okay? so binds up those hard water ions. This, as I said, this maximizes the cleaning power while minimizing the amount of material that's needed. Whenever you can get hard water out of the way, then you can use a smaller amount of the rest of the cleaners to get the job done. Okay, really important little bit of um, detergent chemistry understanding there. Additionally, phosphate has detergency of its own. So it actually functions as a cleaning product as well as being this hard, this hard water ion binder. So now, for those of you who think phosphate's a dirty word, because way back in the dark ages, phosphate was the culprit, well, let me explain a couple of things to you. First of all, the reason that phosphates were the culprit so long ago is that a lot of these detergent products were 70, 80, 90% phosphate, okay? So they were really heavy on the phosphate side, and all of that wastewater was going directly into the lake, you know, if you remember I remember hearing back in the days of Rachel Carson and the beginning of this thing that Lake Erie was dead. And it was dead in the sense that it could no longer sustain life. And a lot of that was because this effluent was being dumped into uh, rivers and streams. Phosphates tended to contribute to that also by promoting big algae blooms and the like. So, but it was really the in, inappropriate and improper use of phosphates that were the problem. You also have to consider modern sewage treatment, waste processing facilities, if you will. When we develop these formulations, we not only think about what's going on, getting them manufactured and getting them to delivered to the customer, but also what happens after the customer uses it. What is the impact on the waste stream? How is it going to be handled in the 
you know, the water treatment facilities that are widespread now throughout certainly most of the industrial world. How is it going to work? Well, as you might imagine, one of the problems that confronts the folks in waste management, water waste management, is how do you get the stuff out of the water? And there's a lot of stuff in the water that comes to them. There are some interesting and easy ways that separate the solids from the liquids and so on and so forth. But one of the things that's most important to understand that removing phosphate from water is pretty simple chemistry. I imagine that in chemistry class, Christina, in high school or something like that, you probably discovered the idea of creating a precipitate that's putting something in water and then adding something to it and causing it to fall out. The advantage of phosphates is they are very easy to precipitate out. They bond with things very readily. That precipitate they form is a phosphate that falls to the bottom. Not only does it leave the water, but guess what? The phosphate returns to a form that can be used again. So phosphates that were the problem back in the 60s, 70s, and so on and so forth are now part of the solution today, which is why we, we use them. Simple elements that are readily easy relatively easy to remove from wastewater and modern treatment facilities that also boost the performance and lower the dose of other ingredients, really important. It's this controlled sort of balance, this thing I talked about, about getting things in order um, that make this product work. But addition to that controlled balance, we also have some other powerful ingredients. We have this biologically active enzyme complex called biozyme. Now, enzymes, some of you probably know this already, but enzymes are good for cleaning because they tend to attack organic things you get on your clothes. That can be ketchup or a little bit of, you know, gravy from the turkey, or it can become whatever it is. Those organic sorts of stains that get on there, because of their nature, they'll have a little fat and a little stuff with them. They tend to be a little water insoluble, and the enzymes actually work on to, to chew up and release those, again, freeing them so that the surfactants and the other ingredients can can uh, do their job better. So it accelerates the removal of organic stains and debris. We also have an ingredient called polyacrylate. It is a chelating and binding agent that tends to hold soil in solution, again, to allow better performance. The, the, the active ingredients go in and, and capture the thing, and they come bring it into solution, and they sort of hand it off to the polyacrylate, which recharges the cleaner to go back and do a little more work. We also include detergency promoters, one known as uh, carboxymethylcellulose. It promotes the detergency. It sort of amplifies the detergency of the uh, power of the detergents that are there, again, minimizing the amount of that detergent chemistry that's needed. We include corrosion inhibitors to protect the machinery and piping in your house and your, and your uh, laundry there. It's not something that probably every company does, but it's something that we want to do because if you have to change your washing machine every three years, guess what? You're contributing a washing machine to the waste stream. So anything we can do to promote the life expectancy of that machine minimizes the amount of machinery that actually end up being set aside and have to do something. And finally, we, we include an optical brightener uh, that promotes the look and appeal of clothing. People like their clothes to look and appeal clean, and if appear clean, if they look and appear clean, guess what? They're going to be worn and used over and over and over more frequently. So um, not only is that good for the environment that they're not being thrown away, but it's good for your pocketbook that you don't have to go out and buy something new every couple of days. So I know people that do that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a lot of science all in one product. 
and again, because uh, G1 comes with the laundry powder, you're not spending money on, you know, liquid laundry detergents, which is uh, mostly water. You're getting all that concentrated cleaning and reducing the carbon footprint in the process. You know, between Super 10 for tough stains and G1, you don't need any other uh, expensive products to deal with stains on your clothes. I agree. No, that's, that, that's the whole plan here. Um, all of this diversity, every time I go to the supermarket and I stop and look in the cleaning aisle, I mean, if when I look at the detergent line, for example, you know, there are sports detergents and, and spring fresh detergents and fragrance-free detergents and all of these variables. And because I'm a chemist, I understand that the underlying chemistry is the same. It's, that's about branding. That's about somebody who goes to the gym and gets their clothes sweaty, comes and wants to get a sports type thing because they think that there's something different going on in their clothes. And really, to be honest with you, there probably isn't. But the basic chemistry that's involved remains the same. So whether it's a laundry compound or a, a multi-purpose cleaner or whatever, even though we've got this brand diversity where every brand has got everything, they've got a cleaner for your stove, a cleaner for your refrigerator, a cleaner for your oven, a cleaner for your bathroom, cleaner for your kitchen, cleaner for the garage, and so on. Essentially, the chemistry is the same. It's just maybe the amount of dilution that goes on. And so we just a long time ago decided that that's interesting and all, but it's not environmentally friendly. As the population continues to grow in the world, we've got to think about these sorts of things. Thinking about and being aware of what you're doing and how it impacts the environment is something that has to be understood amongst all of us. It has to be taught in schools. It has to be, luckily enough, Christina, you were involved in something like that, but it has to become part of the common thinking. As the population continues to increase, guess what? the burden on the environment continues to increase. Every time I see a new apartment building or go up, go up around here, and there's a lot of them going up, I think about new toilets being flushed and new washing machines being run and all of those sorts of things because all of that not only takes away a vital resource called water, but also creates additional uh, strain on the waste management side, on the, on the things that are headed into the environment. So, I like thinking of low-dose, low-burden. It's a company philosophy. It's something that everybody should practice as much as they can in their lives. And it's just another way that people can point to the neo-life difference. The fact that we've been at this for 50, 60 years, uh, even though it's very much in the news today, this whole environmental issue, is a testament to the company's idea. We haven't changed our philosophy since then. What we've found is over time, more and more companies and more and more thinkers have come around to thinking and acting the way we do. Uh, the reality is, though, we've got a 50 or 60 year head start on the vast majority of them. Yeah, that's such a great point. You know, it's important for each of us to examine our actions and choices every day and the impact, you know, on the environment and beyond that results from those choices. And with Earth Day coming up this month, that's such a great reminder and great time to reflect, um, you know, on how you can you know, how do your part to save yeah. the environment, you know, while doing your spring cleaning. Yeah. If a million people do a little thing, then the environment's better by a million little things. That's true. Yeah. So I know we went over a lot today, and there are handy resources in the back office, like the fast facts for each of these products. And there's also a golden home care comprehensive instructions document, which gives you specific directions on which products and, you know, what dilutions to use for all kinds of things in your house. 
And um, I want to thank John so much for being here today and uh, telling us all about the history and the science behind these products. And, you know, uh, we have this company is always working to improve itself and looking forward. So uh, there will be a lot it's of... It's a pleasure, Christina. By the way, for those of you who haven't met Christina, I know some of you have, this is a, a, a bright young person who thinks and feels the way we do. So if you have a chance to encounter her out there, come up and say hi. I think you'll find her um, wonderful. Thanks, John. Sure and thank you all for tuning in and listening to us. And have a great week.